So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a life coach who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's Mary Wagstaff. I'm really thrilled to be hosting another beautiful, empowered woman from around the world. And today we are going to be speaking with Erica Hicks. Erica and I met originally at a amazing women's empowerment retreat, which was, um, and I would love to talk to you about this a little bit, actually, which was one of the big um, tipping points for me in my own personal journey around alcohol. It was this ability to start to believe in something else that was possible outside of the realm of alcohol that I could enjoy my body. I could enjoy the beach. I could enjoy other women and, you know, and then also of course, of course, the deep letting go of, some constructs and just stepping into that like power and pleasure place of being a woman. But anyway, Erica, I wanted to first for you to start and say, you know, what you're up to and how you're spending most of your days and what's, what's kind of magical happening for you right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mary. This is so exciting. Uh, So I live in Colorado in the mountains of lions, and I'm really lucky right now to have some time off to really dive deep into myself and to the service I want to give others. I currently have this amazing Instagram called Thirsty for Spirit, where I'm actually playing on the word spirit. 
as an alcohol, but actually asking people to be thirsty for their spirit within them. And again, that has to go with um, my story and my alcohol story and what uh, that's brought for me. But I'm just empowering people to really go within on my Instagram and to take the responsibility for themselves and to realize that they have the power to make changes, to have a mindset, to create the life they want, and to really just quench that thirst of connecting to their spirit every day. Because I believe that's just so, so important and magical right now. Ugh, I get to connect with mother nature every day with this time off. And it's really uh, allowed me to tap into that spirit within myself while I'm running or while I'm meditating outside. And even with the snow and the weather here, it's just so beautiful in Colorado. Yeah, it really is a healing, a healing place to be when you can kind of drop all of the constructs and just be with what feels so natural with, with us. So I want to, um, we could probably get back to into thirsty for spirit as we talk about your journey, but yeah, tell me a little bit about kind of how alcohol came into your life and transitioning really till, till now and feeling the call to, to dive deeper into spirit as a tool for, for empowerment. Yeah. Well, I never drank in high school. I definitely was a, you know, goody two shoe, I guess. And when I went to college, my whole world changed. I drank every weekend. I blacked out every weekend. I threw up every weekend. It was this stigma that I had never been introduced to. And so, you know, there's that, that sense of maybe if I drank in high school, I would have been better in college or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I was following the crowd. I would thought, you know, that was what everyone did and that's how you get the boys and flirting and um it that's you know that was fun that's how we had fun in college and that's just the stigma in uh university at this moment and i think it has some lessons and it has some ups and downs but i think it has a lot of trauma too for people and um so for me, I, you know, was drinking and I actually got, um, I got suspended my sophomore year and got sent home the beginning of my sophomore year. So I had some time to myself, realized I wanted to go back to the same school. So I applied back to that same university. They told me if I get caught again, I will be expelled and it could be anything. It didn't have to be with drinking, you know. And so made it to 21. It was like, woo. And then my 22nd birthday, two days after on Valentine's Day, I got pulled over for drinking and driving. And luckily, I had a friend that was a lawyer there and he told me not to blow. Anyway, long story short, I got expelled from school and I did not get a DUI, but I went to jail that night. And I am about 30 grand in debt for two semesters that I never went to because I got expelled and suspended. So from that moment of getting expelled, I really knew I had to change something, you know, and I believe that it was the universe also 
bringing to fruition that that wasn't the right place. Those people I was hanging out with were not my people. I don't even talk to any of them anymore. Mm. None of them are friends. They weren't nice. They weren't nice women to women. The connection wasn't there. I just wasn't where I could be, grow and be my authentic self. And I think the universe played a big role in that as well, looking back at hindsight. So that really changed me. And that was about five years ago. And I, I couldn't get into any schools for about two years. And, you know, I look at it as a blessing now because it brought me to Colorado. I transferred to another university in Colorado and definitely have changed my uh, connection with alcohol. But again, that took that took time. It wasn't overnight, but that that definitely was a big catalyst and a stepping stone in this process of mine. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing all that. Tell me a little bit about when you, you know, you said you kind of followed the crowd. And um, so even when you like were in trouble, essentially, what were your thoughts around alcohol then? Were you like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not going to drink. And then you just would, or how did that kind of go down? Yeah, I think it was, like I said, I think it was just the environment mainly of what, where I was in and the people I was surrounded with. They just, like, I didn't drink in college I had, or in high school. I had fun with my friends without drinking. Like, I knew that was possible. It, that was in my, instilled in my mom's side of my family as well with my cousins. And so just having this different outlook or this different way it just wasn't aligned with me. And so it, when I was there, you know, I, I drank, like there wasn't a night I probably didn't say no. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why this whole, um, even when I got expelled and I stayed there for a couple months, like that, the drinking part wasn't, you know, something that I, just stopped. Yeah. It, I had to physically remove myself from the environment, from these people to then like look at drinking and to stop, stop doing it. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how do you, how, um, how is it going now for you where you are now? I mean, obviously we live in a world where there's a lot of drinking <laughs> and it's, you know, it does exist. And I, I completely understand being in a, really concentrated environment where that is kind of like the thing and it's happening every night and it's, you know, hard can be challenging to, especially as you're growing into who you're becoming, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. well, if this is what most people are doing, then I'm just going to go sit over here, like meditating in the trees by myself. You know, I, I can see how as a younger person too, it's could be challenging to just find your own own way. Um, so how are you um, showing up now if there's challenges in your life around alcohol or if you're feeling like, you know, there's, you know, are you feeling like you have more options, I guess? For sure. I mean, living, like I said, in Colorado, it just opened the doors of there's so much more to do um, outside with people, you know, in all different types of weather and the people and the environment are all just more open and, um, and communicating. Uh, you know, I was with, I went to a school that had a lot of East coast 
tri-state uh, tri area people that just, you know, weren't my tribe on this journey of mine. And again, mm -hmm. that's why I think the universe knew that and said, okay, it's time to switch. We tried to switch it up once, we got to do it again <laughs> for you. And um, now I, I mean, I don't drink every night. I don't drink, I rarely drink. And I'm so grateful that I've met my partner, my beloved, who is totally on board, totally on that as well. The only time we really drink is when we go to concerts. And um, the biggest thing that's helped me in this whole process is becoming more aware of what alcohol does to my body. So mm -hmm. my biggest thing when I started drinking was that I didn't know when to stop. So I could have one and shots and this and that and this and that. And then all of a sudden I'm blacked out. I have no idea how I got there, how many drinks I had, whatever. And so I think with the process for me was taking my time, feeling my body, you know, having one drink. What does that feel like? Do I feel drunk? Do I feel tipsy? Okay, maybe have some water now. And, and to even back that up even more is I really started having intention before I went out. I almost gave myself a pep talk, like, you got this, you are in control, you, you know, you know when to drink water, be, trust that and um, listen to your body, listen to what it's telling you. And, you know, remember that you're more than the substance and, you know, something, something like that, that I would kind of like prep talk myself in the taxi going to the party or at the pregame in the bathroom, you know, just putting those thoughts in my subconscious, which I definitely think helped me bring awareness through the night. And of course that worked sometimes and then it didn't work. It was something I needed to become really aware of where I definitely think that's where I'm at now. I can really feel my body and feel when alcohol is in there and taking over a sense and know when to say no thank you and know when to pick up a glass of water. Yeah, I think that that kind of pre-gaming um, is really important of kind of um, one of the things that I use, tools that I help people use is to really kind of fast forward themselves when they're in a situation where they're thinking about drinking in regardless if they do want to or they don't want to, but it's kind of already getting in that mindset of um awareness and that slowing down process because when you never stop to think about it you are mm -hmm. it's just going to be habitual but if you can go and what I help people do if they're not drinking and they get like the buckets and they're like you know ready like oh today you know because we all are in phases where something happens in our lives or we feel like we want to just go party, you know especially if you've been in the party scene before you can be like oh I just want to go party and like let loose um, and yeah. I just talked to a client yesterday and she said that was happening for her and she slowed down and she stopped. And one of the tools I have is like a 24 hour fast forward is like, okay, well, what is going to happen from this first drink? And because you've already had it embodied in a way, you know, you can, you can feel the physical effects of it. You can tell, you know, you can, you can kind of walk yourself through a whole 24 hours of what is going to happen and then make your decision from there. Um, yeah, and I think I that that's that. 
Yeah, I think it's a really useful tool. And she ended up not even going out. Um, but if you do decide to go out, you kind of have that, okay, well, this is the decision I'm making. And I've already fast forward 24 hours of, you know, one drink, two drinks, three drinks. And then what is that going to look like? So slowing down that process, I think that mindfulness is really, um, is really super important because I tell people, and I would love for you to talk about this as well, because you do are currently still drinking. And I always say taking your last sip isn't the first step, but it's really this process of rewiring your brain where you're actually just like looking at what is my relationship with alcohol and why, you know, why do, am I choosing to have a drink in this moment? And do I need one? What are the effects that I'm looking for? So, um, like you said, your relationship has changed and what do you think your beliefs around, around alcohol, how have they changed since, you know, you left, you left? Cause obviously you have the opportunity to drink whenever you want to, right. But you're making a choice not to. So tell me a little bit about what your beliefs were more like in school, um, than they are now currently or whenever you kind of really slowed down um, and changed your relationship to alcohol? Yeah, well, I definitely think like the having fun and meeting people and yeah, the looseness that alcohol gives you. It's like, oh, I can be myself in a sense, you know, quote unquote, when I'm drinking because then I can talk more to people and I'm more outgoing or, you know, whatever the stories we come up with in our head. And so I really realized that when I drink, it's, it isn't my authentic self. It isn't how I want the world to see me because I know how I am when I'm sober and how much better I feel and the clarity I have and the magnetism that I put out into the world is way more strong than when I'm going to a happy hour and drinking with some friends or meeting random people as friends that night or what have you. And so the belief is that just that self-empowerment to know that I don't need something out there to meet people or to be myself and to attract things that I want into my life. Um, yeah, I just, it's, it's some, you know, and, and I, I just do it. Drinking is something that I've, I definitely would, you know, one day, you know, one day I will stop drinking. I mean, when I have kids and have a pregnancy and all that stuff, it's something I definitely want to obviously mm -hmm. honor my temple body and my, my life. I don't want my kids to see me having a glass of wine with dinner. I want that stigma to even not be there. And so it's, it is a process that's slowly peeling away to becoming mm -hmm. sober um, because it is, it is a substance. It's a distraction to ourselves, really. Mm -hmm. Do you think by, it's because it seems like to me, and this is something I really encourage people to do, is to give yourself permission, is to give yourself permission to kind of be where you're at without making excuses. Um, and do you feel like that has changed? So I guess the question could be, if you're, if you do go out drinking and you have results from it that you, that aren't desirable, like you don't feel great the next day, or even if you just ended up having too much or whatever, all the things that could happen, what is your process like for handling that situation? Like the mm -hmm. after effects? 
Well, I know. So I, yeah, I practice forgiving myself. Um, that definitely was a huge thing for me in kind of overcoming my um, getting expelled because in a sense, I felt I let a lot of people down, you know, my grandparents paid for some of my college and la da 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 da. So, you know, I have this, uh, saying where I say, forgive myself for judging myself for, and it always usually is drinking, over drinking, you know, sleeping with somebody or what, what have you. And, Mm -hmm. um, so definitely practicing that the next day after, if I've drank too much or, you know, feel down on myself is definitely forgiving myself and not, and for, and not judging myself as well. And, you know, rest if I, if possible, (laughs) if I have nothing to do the next day, definitely rest. And, And I try to move and try to, you know, move those toxins out of my body. Um, and you know, it's, but it's more a mental thing of realizing that, you know, it's okay you know, things happen and to just forgive it myself in the process and to realize that you can do it differently next time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it is going into it is a choice that you're making too. And um, mm-hmm. I really try to empower people, especially at the beginning of their journey to know that whatever that kind of fast forwarding is, if I make this decision, I'm I'm going to commit to making this decision and all the things that come along with it. The same as, you know, not drinking is I'm going to make this decision and the, all the things that are going to come along with it, which could be challenging too, because they're new things, but I'm going to support myself through observation, you know, through, through observation without judgment, basically. And I think that that Mm -hmm. process of like, okay, this happened. Well, I knew that was going to potentially happen. So but I'm not going to make it worse by beating myself up um, and, you know, that yeah. whole scenario. So, um, so with Thirsty for Spirit, um, and I, this is something that I really felt like in my own personal journey. And I don't, you know, I don't really preach spirituality to my clients because everyone has their own, um, their own definition of that. But I do think that, you know, what you were talking about kind of in school was the, the best way to experience life and fun and magic was through the lens of alcohol. And, um, that is kind of has become a collective story that we've told ourselves, especially when you're younger. Um, yeah. And so for me, this idea of kind of a spiritual deficit of really asking myself, and I do ask my clients this, and so it doesn't have to say spirituality, but what does this life really mean to me? And how do I want to show up in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you say a little bit about like, thir- like how spirit, spirituality, or, you know, um, using other tools? Can you just talk a little bit about that, about what that really means for you? Yeah. So I actually have, um, these, I call them these seven bottles to drink from daily, AKA Mm. seven practices. And what they are is, uh, solitude, meditation, play, journaling, movement, cleansing, and diet. And all those opportunities are opportunities for you to connect to your spirit. So basically for me, connecting to your spirit or spirituality is just being in the present moment to take that pause, to see how you feel, to see what's going on. So, you know, solitude, that's easy. Meditation, you know what that is. 
play. Play is just stuff that brings joy to your life. Things that bring joy, like for me, it's pulling Oracle cards or freeform dancing. And those are just times to take that moment for yourself to connect to your spirit, to connect to your individuality, your, yeah, your reasons, your whys. Um, and then, you know, there's journaling, which I think helps in so many areas of self-development and self-growth and awareness and is very, very important in evolution, um, in your, in your journey of this lifetime. Then we have a uh, movement, which movement is so important because people with anxiety or depression, they, they just have either energy that's not moving or too much energy. And so I think with the endorphins of movement and, and I, I love the word movement because to me, working out is just such a, you know, manly, hard, like, I don't want to go work out. I'm going to go move my body. Mm -hmm. Like that just sounds more inviting and more pleasurable. And then, uh, yeah, cleansing, we're energetic beings. And I think a lot of us, you know, don't know to cleanse ourselves, salt baths, washing your face. I washed this day off of me, you know, uh, Palo Santo, just things with intention. Um, and last diet, of course, conscious eating, high vibrational foods, making sure that you're putting things into your body that really make you feel good. Cause that's something that is that a lot of us don't do and need to be more aware of. And so for me, spirituality could be really anything. A spiritual mm -hmm. practice could be anything as long as you have intention of being in the present moment and of connecting to yourself and just seeing how you're feeling. I mean, that's, that's, that's the basis of it. And I've been curious on hearing how people do practice spirit. Like what is your spiritual practice? You know, how do you connect with your spirit? And I love just hearing all the different things because it is in, very important and it, but yet it can be so unique to every individual. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And those are all, thank you. I love the seven bottles to drink from. And so, um, one of the things that I've talked about in the past is taking, um, taking that what was a nightly ritual and creating new rituals out of it. And I think that that's, that's kind of the thing is like, we're filling this void because we're not quite sure what to do and because it maybe wasn't part of our upbringing or, you know, we kind of just go from A to B. Well, I'm going to, you know, I go to school and I go to college and until, unless you are really, um, making a priority of things that are really important to you, um, you know, you might be kind of bored or you might not be thinking about in what way do I personally connect because there's so much out in the world that has told us how we should be, right? Parents, religion, sure. governments, all this, all these rules. And so I do think the spiritual deficit comes from what is my truth? And so I think asking yourself that during the time of when alcohol was once this innocent thing, maybe a lot of people start drinking when they're, you know, 18, when alcohol was this innocent thing and you really weren't thinking about how do I really want to show up in the world? And hopefully that paradigm is shifting. Like I know for my little boy, like I really want to instill that in him from a very young age of like being, you know, showing up and being who you want to be. But, um, yeah. Anyway, like the spirit. So do you feel like you've used these new, these as new rituals to replace 
maybe times when you used to be drinking or as a tools to kind of connect back to yourself where maybe it's been a struggle of like, oh, I want to drink, but instead I'm going to do this or just a way to kind of ease the mind of like those like thought spirals or whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely I love having a new nightly ritual because I can see you know, come, yeah, coming home from work and, you know, wanting that glass of wine or something, but to, to create some new rituals, to create that time and space, because there are so many, like you said, outside things that we give our time to, you know, people are sitting in front of the television four hours a day. That's, I heard it was like 10, that's like 10 years after a whole year. So, I, don't know, I don't know, something crazy like that. And mm-hmm. um, so adding these new things, are in these new rituals I think the first thing is what do you yeah like who what's your truth what do you want to embody and so for me right now I've like I said I've been diving deep and I, I've kind of wanted to maybe help people with their spiritual practice or if they're you know newly enlightened and how to incorporate things or what have you I'm trying to figure that out right now but to so my, but I'm embodying that coach or I'm embodying my spiritual practices. Like if I want to help people, then that's how I want to be. And so that's really helped me in my mindset. Like, okay, well, what would this, you know, spiritual coach be? What would they do? How would they act when they came mm-hmm. home before bed? What rituals? Yeah. Like what, how do they take care of themselves? It's that's really been helping me with um, the process and with, you know, um, living my truth better and than it was. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's all a process. And I, one of the biggest things that I really appreciate you talking about is that, that it doesn't change overnight, right? That we're slowly showing up for ourselves every day, doing the best we can, knowing that today I'm more successful than I was yesterday and that there's no place to get. And it's, I think it's similar. I, you know, I think alcohol, changing your relationship to alcohol is similar to diet culture. Of course, food we need to yeah. survive. We don't need alcohol to survive. Um, but it's this idea of this is why I don't, you know, I really don't emphasize counting days or knowing how long you're not drinking or you're drinking. Cause if you take a break, great, take a break, cleanse, whatever. But is that proving to yourself that you don't need to drink? But you know, if, you know, I haven't drank for, for a long time. I don't even know how long it is now, but if I did have decided to have a drink tomorrow, I wouldn't think I'm starting all over because the process that has happened Mm -hmm. in my brain isn't starting over. I've already rewritten so many pathways. And to say that to yourself, I really feel like is doing a disservice to all of the work that you've already done. Right. And so you're in such a different place right now than you were, you know, yesterday and that you were a year ago. And so you're moving and slowly deciding, you know, do I need, you know, what is my relationship with alcohol and, um, just being open to the possibility of maybe in the future, not, not always needing it you know, forever and, or desiring it forever. And I think just being open to what is possible, like, how can I show up for these things that I really love in a way that, um, that is serving me to, to a a higher extent. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit when you have, if you do decide to like 
drink and you said like you guys will go out to a concert and drink what do you feel like because i think that this is something that people do and there's no right or wrong here answer at all um is like they have kind of exceptions like i have clients that are like you know maybe if i go on they haven't drank for a really long time they're like well maybe if i go on vacation and i have time to not feel great um then I'll, you know, drink. And it's kind of like, well, if you're already setting yourself up to like not feel great, then what, I'm just kind of curious what your thought process is around that, um, that you are doing so many other th amazing things in your life without alcohol. And then why maybe like for this one thing, you're mm -hmm. deciding that you need it or you <laughs> want it, or just, just a little bit about that, just because I think it'll be useful for people. For sure. <clears throat> well, I think it's more, again, it's just, in all honesty, probably fitting in into the culture, fitting into the pregame, you know, having one drink in my hands, um, you know, and, and not to say that, you know, I don't like feeling that tipsiness or, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, that comes in, you know, when you go to a concert, you dance, you know, maybe to be a little more free in my dancing, but it's definitely, I don't, I know how to say no though. Mm -hmm. And I know how to say no, thank you to all the shots that are lined up at the pregame. Like I'm more aware of that and just, I'm just there, you know, I, I've honestly I've never really thought about like, why do I still do it at the pregame? Cause I know how I feel the next day and I mm -hmm. don't like how I feel. And I have gotten to the point where like even one drink doesn't make me feel good the next day, mm -hmm. two drinks, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it, I've just cleansed my body so much that that toxicity doesn't work. And so, um, yeah, I just think I, I go and I enjoy myself and I participate because it's, you know, my friend's birthday or whatever, but I, I know to drink water now. And once I feel that sensation, I kind of, I stop and I mm -hmm. realize, okay, there, there it is or whatever. I'm having fun or whatever. And, um, water's okay for me now. I don't need another sip because I don't want to feel the way that I feel the next day. So so you I don't have, know if I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's great because really what it shows is it's just, it's part of the habit, right? It was, it was something that you, mm -hmm. you've done and you've kind of always associated going to shows and, you know, I've totally, we've all been there. I mean, I love going to shows and festivals and everything. And it is one of those things. It's like, how can I do this and not do that? Right. Like how, and, and I think that what what it looks like you're doing is you have changed your relationship with that specific event with that yeah. specific circumstance so it's not what it used to be and it sounds like with more awareness that it might even change further um and we do you know and that's like the thing it's um and i one of the the first episode of the podcast was breaking up is hard to do or is it and it's like because for whatever reason and i think this is you're going to have so much so much success with your relationship with alcohol because you have just shown up for it to change it slowly. And it's like, when you break up with a person that doesn't usually go away overnight, right? You have all of these things yeah. interwoven with, with that relationship. And so you kind of meet each one as they show up. And honestly, it could be years and there could be something you hadn't done in years that you now you, something shows up in your life and you're like, 
oh my God, you have an association trigger. Like maybe you go back to your hometown that you haven't visited in five years. And it's like, oh, every time I was here, I used to go out to the bar and go drink or, or you see an old boyfriend or whatever it is. And so I think just being really honest with yourself, like this isn't me, this is an association and I'm showing up and I'm having a different um, I'm, I'm now having different awareness, like you're slowing down, but, um, I just appreciate you talking about that. Cause I think that this is something that happens for so many people is, you know, in so much of your life, you're like, well, I can handle, you know, your people are like, well, I can do it in these situations. But when I go to do this, then it all kind of falls apart. But I think if you don't, if you can look at it from a place of like, it's not falling apart, I'm actually making this choice and I'm being more observant mm-hmm. about it. Then I think you do start to realize, well, maybe this choice isn't really what I need, but there's never any, the whole point is, is that there's never any right or wrong answer. The only point is, is it's how you, if you're going to get the results that you want in your life, if you're going to show up for yourself the next day, doing the work that you want to do out in the world and feeling good and confident, like, yeah, I made that decision. I don't feel awesome, but I'm still going to show up and go hiking or do my meditation or whatever it is. And I think that that's, that's so important and that's slowing down to help you rewrite the process. So it sounds, um, it just sounds like you're, it's in line with a lot of the work that I'm doing and that I've been doing. Um, and yeah. so I wanted to ask you, I know that um, I have one of your art pieces in my house and mm-hmm. it's super, we love it. It's beautiful. Um, how has art helped with your process of journeying with alcohol? And I know like your rituals are probably part of that, but is that something that you are, that you utilize for your, you've utilized? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I think, cause I, when I transferred to Colorado to go to um, Colorado State University, I was an art major and that was also part of the process of, I think me getting expelled was because I wasn't doing what I really want to do was, which is art. And I have a kind of, today falling back a little bit off of it um and maybe finding a different way to express myself through art instead of painting exactly but in that process it really helped me i've you know would come having art class i think really helped because i would come in and i would be able to release and like have a time and a space and a studio to do that and to process my emotions and even today, I'm actually, um, I host art classes for people, which they're called Color Fusion Transformative Art Class. Mm-hmm. And it is where we look at the duality of life. So it's like anxiety versus relaxation or um, uh, that's the only one, like mm-hmm. stressed versus presence or something mm-hmm. like something along those lines and how we work through our emotions and I teach them to yeah dance to scribble scribbling on pieces of paper after a long day really really helps because you are getting that energy out of you and when you scribble you know it, it just looks and feels radical it feels mm-hmm. like you're getting that energy off and out of you and so from my process of art I've now translated it into an art class to show other people how they can intuitively feel their feelings and give them a color, give them a line, a shape, something to get it out of their body because, and to move through it. And so with this class, we start with a piece of paper and then at, by the end, we're cutting the piece of paper up 
to make that new new perspective, to mm. make that new piece of art that is more of a higher vibration of presence or of relaxation. And um, yeah, it's it's helped me really connect with my emotions and realize that they're only temporary mm -hmm. and that you can move through them. And it's not, you know, it, they're not here forever. You're not going to be sad forever. You're not going to be depressed or have anxiety forever. And I think once we get all those tools in our tools box, and I think you're helping people with that so much, and I'm helping people, trying to help people with that so much too, is to realize that it might not take the first tool. It might take three, four, five, six, or seven things for you to move out of that uh, mind space, but it's the practice. It's, yeah, the awareness that really will help you get there. And so, um, yeah, art's definitely been a catalyst for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that idea of the, of just move, like that nothing's permanent too. And I think that that's such a huge thing um, you know, alcohol does have this double layer of mindset where you are stressed, you know, say you're stressed. So you want to use alcohol to, you think you want to use alcohol to relieve that stress, but then you still have your stress. And then you're, if you're, um, having in a desire to drink, then you're, you're kind of moving through that desire to drink too, but it really does all become a practice of presence and a practice of awareness. And, um, I, you know, not resisting it. How can we move through it? Um, cause obviously yeah, the more, yeah. you know, the more we resist, the more it persists. And so it's actually about moving towards desire, moving towards your emotions so that you know, what's the worst that can happen. No, nothing. We're yeah. like, we're, I think, you know, we have not been taught about emotional intelligence. So we're terrified as a culture of feeling emotion. It's like, I'm feeling, what do I do? And now I think once you kind of start to move alcohol out of your way, you realize that there's nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that you're not willing to feel because you, the, the, I, the, I don't know, the presence of feeling actually feels freeing to, for me anyway. And I know that it does for a lot of people that I've worked with is like, wow, like I'm actually stepping, I'm getting to know myself again and who I am, what do I want? And these emotions are welcomed. And, um, I think that that's a really huge point to make is like, welcome all the emotions. They're all, they're all good. Um, yeah. so to kind of wrap up, I was wondering what is something that you, some piece of advice or a tool, um, and I know you talked a lot about a lot of tools, which is awesome, that you would love to tell someone that's kind of um, beginning their journey. And I, we were talking about it earlier, but you know, a thing that people come to me saying is, I know I want to change my relationship to alcohol, but I'm not sure how, like they're not quite ready to say, I don't want alcohol out of my life altogether because it seems scary. It's kind of how they've interwoven everything. Um, but what I'm doing isn't working. And so what would you say to that person if there was something you could say to them? Yeah, I, I mean... I think, you know, the first thing to question is like, why you like it so much or like, why, why is it a part of your life? And, you know, is it because your friends accept you or, you know, are you funnier when you're drunk or something? Cause I know that was something for me. Like people always said I was so hilarious when I was drunk, but you know, I probably didn't know half the things I was saying either. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, and, um, I just think the whole like intention and to bring awareness. I mean, that's what helped me so much is just, yeah, feeling into your body more and to really look at those stories and to feel into those stories and to give yourself permission 
to just see the story without alcohol and to see what that feels like and to move with that intention and see how your yeah life will unfold because I mean, it, it is a scary thing to think about because it is so interwoven with everything. Um, I think it takes a lot of self-empowerment to make that decision and to move your through life with this alcohol that's pulling you or pulling everyone towards it because of yeah, the collective consciousness of the story that we have today. So I think just uh, focus on intention and awareness to your body and to the reasons of why it, it you are scared or why it is so important to you and to, um, yeah, to connect to that. Yeah, that's awesome. I do really think that the awareness piece is the first step that you can't just kind of, it won't just, it's not just going to magically go away that there's a lot of layers, um, a lot of layers of that. So, um, what are you really looking forward to in the future now that you've moved alcohol out of your way or now that it's not as big of um, an obstacle for you? What are you super excited about creating for yourself? Yeah, so I, well, without alcohol, I definitely am so clear and you know, thirsty for spirit. So my connection to spirit is just growing and growing and growing. And I'm pushing that um, story or that connection. Like, how far can I go? Like, have, you know, could I be psychic? I don't know. Could I hear messages? Could I this? Could I that? Like the, what's my way of connecting to spirit so strongly that I can bring it into this world and to show, show everyone, you know, what the divine is saying. And I'm, I'm still, yeah, searching for how can I serve these, how can I serve this world and these people? And so that's what I'm really excited about is to get crystal clear on my goal and on my service for this world, because we need all the people to help this collective consciousness. Yeah. And I, I want to be there. I want to be part of that. I want to help people raise into that frequency and to realize their potential. So I'm excited for that. And uh, to see where that leads me because I'm not really sure right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say the work that you're doing is that you already are serving. You're already are helping. And I think, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Thank you. yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, tuning into what brings us joy personally is really what we're going to be able to, um, how we attract, how we offer and, you know, what's bringing you joy currently, I think is what you should continue to give to the world and people will, will sure. latch on to that especially the message of you know not a beat of vulnerability too and being able to express yourself without all of these constructs of judgments because really at the end of the day even if things do hurt our physical mind and body as as humans on this earth walk it really is just our interpretation of it still so if we can kind of take the all of the labels away and just see you know what is really serving us out of our you know mm -hmm. joy then we can move forward. Like there's no right or wrong. And um, you just keep showing up for being the best version of yourself. And I think you're doing amazing work. Thank you so much for being here. And I will definitely, can you just tell us really quick where we, where people can find more of Thirsty for Spirit? I know you said Instagram and you have a blog. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So at thirsty for spirit doc or at thirsty for spirit for Instagram and then thirsty for spirit.com. Uh, I write blogs on there and my Instagram is where you could probably connect with me the most. I have these like one minute rants that are really good. That are really straight to the point on self-awareness and things to, um, yeah, just be aware of. So yeah, I would love to connect with anyone out there that's listening. And thank you so much, Mary, for this beautiful podcast, this beautiful interview. Uh, it's truly amazing what you're doing in this world as well. Thank you so much. I know I, this is a, I think that the personal stories are what really help people connect to know that they're not alone. They're not isolated. It's all going to be okay. Nothing has gone wrong, you know, and like you were saying your journey, um, and I'll just finish with this, but I was listening to Deepak. I know that we're both Deepak fans and he was saying, you know, think about, (laughs) think about a bad decision you've made, but a good outcome from it. And think about a good decision (laughs) you've made and a bad outcome from it. And it's like, they're all the same. All the decisions are the same. They're always, you're always taking a risk, making a decision, you know, and hopefully no one else gets hurt along in the process or you don't hurt yourself. But, um, we're always so worried about decisions, but it's like, it's, it's all kind of what we make of it. We never know if a good decision is going to bring out something bad. So, you know, you've really come, like, I think that your spin on what, how your journey has led you to this place of spirit embodiment where you're feeling more connected to the work you want to do anyway is so, it's so awesome. And I think that that's such a great, like you're not sitting and dwelling on that time. You're, you're learning from it and you're Mm -hmm. moving forward. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. I, well, we will, um, we are so excited to have you here and thank you again and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are in a whole new world again. Stop by my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.